The 23rd edition of the Flushing's Finest podcast starts right now. Little roller up along first, behind the back, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center, Andrew Jones on the run, this one has a chance, home run! Piazza and the Mets lead 3-2. He's fucking out. It has happened. In their 51st season, Johan Santana has thrown the first no-hitter in New York Mets history. He's fucking Hello and welcome to another edition of the Flushing's Finest Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services and a part of the Shea Hello Media Network. Josh and Anthony back with you guys once again today. Ashton is away. He is at basketball camp for the week. So so now, this has basically become, by the way, like when there is a TBD on the upcoming pitching schedule, and you don't know which bullpen arm is coming out, I would like to claim, if we're going with a spot starter, uh, Trevor Williams, who this team uh, misses very, very much at times. They definitely do. And Buck, even if, if you go back to his first press conference of the spring, even said so as much then that this team was going to miss him. Ashton's away at camp. And our other guy, Willie P., um, he went ha- viral over the weekend. He's yeah, too good he's for done. us now. He's done. How many How many episodes has he been in now? Uh, two. Oh, my God. Do we even count it? Who is he at this point? He's, he's Jose Buto, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You see him. You see him every once in a while when when you're in a pinch. No, I'm gonna. But but here, I know I know our guy. He's he's going to resurface. If this team goes on another losing streak, isn't he? Yeah, then he's gonna be like, I want to come on the podcast and let him know. Yeah, I but mean, I, I, I hope not. I gotta tell you though, power move by you would be to get him on. Dude's a viral sensation now. Yeah. So if he promotes it, hmm, yeah, it, it could happen. It, it could mean bigger and more important and better things for the pod. Like I don't know. Maybe a sponsor or something like that. But anyway, Anthony's going to well, hang out with us today. It's kind of on you, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's an all-star version of the pod. So we're going to talk about last night's home run derby, talk about Kodai Senga and Pete Alonso getting set to compete in the all-star game, which is tonight. But we start every edition of the pod, as we started doing here recently, with On This Day in Mets History, which originally was Willie P's idea, and it was going to be his his bit and the one thing he brought to the pod. Ah. But he isn't here, and I still want to do it, so now I'm doing it. And so on this day, July 11th, 2006, the day after David Wright made the finals of the Home Run Derby, David Wright homered in his first at-bat in the All-Star Game, becoming the second-ever Met to do so after Lee Mazzilli did the same thing all the way back in 1979. Um, so it was it was a, a great week for David Wright making the finals in the home run derby the next night in the all-star game homering in his first at bat really as he was really starting to put his stamp on becoming at the time one of if not the best third baseman in baseball uh, really before his back and, and his body gave out on him and also on this day July 11th in 2021 current met Francisco Alvarez he homered in the futures game out in Colorado and something we've seen a lot of from him the last I uh, really last week and a half two weeks is 
He's going to hit the ball. He's going to hit the ball hard. He's going to hit the ball very far. And he's the biggest reason why some of us do feel optimistic about where the team is right now because he, he is another power bat, something that this Mets lineup has desperately been looking for. Really, even, even since Alonzo came up, he's now added that he's been a lot of fun to watch at the plate, even a lot of fun behind the plate because he's very active throwing guys out and stuff like that, although he does need to work on learning how to catch uh, foul balls. But that's something oh, that, uh, yeah. oh, you know, that's he, unfair. He, at least he's working on it. Like, it warms my heart whenever they show him, you know, in the pregame or whatever, going through those types of drills or whatever, because at least he's hungry to get better. And it's an and it's an area of his game where he needs to get better to become a, a, the the most complete catcher that he can become. But he's given us a lot of thrills uh, so far this year. It's been a lot of fun watching him, you know, at the plate and like I said, behind the plate. Yeah, I mean, look, if that's the one thing that he has to work on, I think we can get on board with that because I mean, and and unfortunately, it seemed to happen to him a lot more here recently. But I mean, it's. It's it's relatively predictable the reasons that he's had the trouble. The one he literally just closed his glove too early, and Keith knew that the the even before they showed the replay, he knew exactly what happened. And then the second one, the second one was just I mean that one pretty much was one that just bounced kind of off the palm of your glove. It almost hit the glove too hard and kind of bounced out. But I mean, out of all the things that you really worry about with him. I mean, that's 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 not a major issue. The fact that his bat has gotten as hot as it has, and they've needed it, by the way, because you know, and I mean, it, not just him, but him and Tommy Pham have really picked up the slack since Pete's hand injury. Because Pete has not been the same player since that since coming back from that hand injury. Hopefully, the home run derby got him going. I know he wasn't great in the home run derby, but hopefully. Hopefully that gets him rolling just a little bit because uh, he 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 has definitely not been the same guy that he was early in the season. No, he hasn't. And with that, we'll kind of just seamlessly transition into the home run derby, which took place last night. And you know, Alonzo um, loses to Julio Rodriguez. It's really not anything to be upset or mad about because J-Rod put on the best performance we've ever seen in a single round in the Derby, launching whoa, 41 whoa. home runs. Statistically, okay, let's be real honest here. You guys, uh, earlier today on the show that you work on on the radio side of things, we're talking about the home run Derby. Maybe, and this this could be, this could be old man old man type thing. Uh, you you are somebody that loves the tradition of baseball. Yes. Complains about the pitch clock, all this kind of stuff. When it comes to the home run derby, that's something that should not have changed ever. The fact that it is timed instead of outs is insanity. Because if you compare that round to what David Wright did when he was in the home run derby, what Josh Hamilton did, pale in comparison. Because look at how many dude Julio Rodriguez did not take a ball. Yeah, no, he didn't, and a like, lot of it comes into strategy he, and stuff like that. He still launched forty-one home runs, um, and like oh, it was, impressive. It was one yeah. of those things like when it happened, you know, like I'm sitting there and I'm in my. This is going to sound kind of corny, but you know, the, I work in sports, so yeah, you know, I'm sitting there in my Pete Alonso polar bear T-shirt, like with my whole night planned around watching this guy go up there and and, and try to hit the long ball. But I, I mean, I knew, like, I literally just tweeted out, like, there's really no point in him going up there. I mean, he, yeah, on, I got to be honest. One, when I saw the round rolling the way that it was for Rod, for for Julio Rodriguez, I was like. Should he even walk up there? The, like the thing was, was that like if there was someone that could do it and at least make it interesting, it is Pete because uh, you yeah. know he this this you know I often say he's the best home run hitter in baseball because uh, the numbers prove that, um, and he's he's really been you know he's been he's owned this event since he started participating in it, so he loses. Well, if he ha- here's the other thing that needs to be mentioned here. If he had a guy that understood how to throw him a batting practice yeah, pitches, we, we we need Dave Joust back. I mean, oh my God! I mean, I, and I get it. I get it that 
his guy was was called in last minute. That was not supposed to be who was supposed to throw him. It's it was supposed to be his travel ball coach. It was travel ball coach, yeah. Who was supposed to be out there. But and I I I, I could not believe this. They brought this up multiple times on the broadcast. His elbow flared up on him. And he literally apparently could not throw him batting practice. So now I'm not and I'm not saying that that's not legitimate. Like if the dude's got a, an elbow that's that bad then it is what it is. I cannot but that would only happen to a Mets player, right? So yeah. you get Aaron Myers who goes out there and dude, I'll be damned if Aaron Myers didn't throw I mean, he had more control than Jeff Brigham had the last three times he, he was he was, uh, he was on the mound. Wow. He I I tweeted out last night he painted the corner better than Dominic Leone has the entire season. Like this dude was seriously throwing breaking pitches. Meanwhile, for Julio Rodriguez, I forget the first name Pena was the guy that was up there for. He is, I mean, just tossing beauties right down the. I'm like, come on, man, really? So, yeah, it sucked. But I, I got to be honest. When I saw the initial matchup in the bracket, I said to myself, he's not winning that. Not, not in Seattle now. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the things was that you're going up against a guy that beat you last year, but now you're on his home turf. An epic crowd for Seattle, by the way. It's not it's not like it's known for like you know a, a place that loves and celebrates baseball, but well, they, they've, they've done a good job too, turning it into a weekend with the with, with the mm-hmm. MLB draft there too. That's a good job by baseball. Yeah, no, I, I've heard a lot of people complain about. Um, the All Star, the the All Star stuff being during the week. The Derby's on a Monday. The All Star games on a Tuesday. Like, here's the thing: these MLB teams are not giving up weekend gates. They're not giving up the money no. that they make on the weekend. And also, nor, nor should they. Their sport, no offense, is not in the position to be able to do well, that. Well, no, and it, it, like I mean. In, in in the modern day of baseball, so like whatever you want to categorize that as, it's not like the stadium was always full Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Right, stadiums are always right. more full on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, and also for like this time of the year, what else do we have to watch during the week? We have nothing. So <laughs> yeah. I like the I like the yeah. Derby on Monday, the All Star Game on Tuesday. Then you kind of have two days to decompress. And then get ready for the second half of the year. Getting back to Alonzo getting beat. Um, this denies him again his quest to win his third Derby title, which would tie him with King Griffey Jr. for the most in the existence of the home run derby. Um as 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 a fan, are you like if if, if Pete never competes again, are you okay? Now I think he's kind of always said as long as he's going to the All Star Game itself, he's going to compete, and I love and respect that. It's something that Braves players should take note of. That if you're going to the All Star Game, you should participate and, and try to help. You know, Ooh, um, I mean, but, I I gotta be honest, I am. Nobody's telling them how to do anything right now, and probably rightfully so. All they're doing is winning. So, um, so like for you, like if you never see him compete again, are you satisfied? I think because of who Pete is, as long as he's at the All Star event, he's going to go compete in the Home Run Derby. Yes, and, yeah. and and you know because I think you know first off there's that competitive nature where you want to tie the record or maybe set the record, but I also think he understands how important it is because. Even with some guys that maybe you didn't really know last last night in the Derby, Adolis Garcia, Lewis Robert Jr., they still put on a show, and uh, it is I mean, a great way to promote the game. I mean, Lewis Robert Jr., I mean, he was one of the leaders in Major League Baseball. I mean, he was the one seed. The dude had 26 home runs tied with Pete for second in Major League Baseball. Or no, third in Major League Baseball, right? Shohei, Olsen, and then those two. Um I mean, I I gotta be honest, and this this may sound like I just don't care about the event itself, and I'm I'm not gonna say like I don't live and die by the event. I I just I don't care. Like if he participates in it, great, gives us something to watch, you know. Because as as Met fans, we're definitely always gonna tune in with a little more excitement if Pete's in it. If not, it's understandable too. Like 
Now the now the myth of if you participate in the home run derby, you perform worse. Well, that, that's being turned around. There are guys. I mean, Juan Soto said last year he credited his, the, his turnaround last season from a, a slow start in the first half to participating and winning the home run derby. Completely, completely changed his season around. So I mean. That's one of the other things. Now you're you're starting to see that more and more often. The guys that go to the home run derby, it almost boosts their confidence a little bit. So for Pete, yeah, I mean, if if he's there, why not? I think you go for it. Um, but you know, at the same time, if if he says, "Look, I, I've been in it enough times now. I feel like I've gotten everything that I can get out of it." And that's fine. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am. Like, I definitely want to see him compete. I think the good news is for Met fans is that I think at some point, I think you'll see Francisco Alvarez competing now, in the event. That is what that's what I'm excited about. So, like, it's not like we're gonna have, we're gonna go through a drought where we're not seeing a guy in the Derby. Like, can we get Tommy Pham in there? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe you know if, if he, you know if he, if he resigns, but he'll probably be dealt at the trade deadline. So that's the that's the good solace. I did want to talk about the Derby itself. Because I've heard a lot of people complain about it. Um, your radio host said he, quote, got bored. And I don't know how a 50-year-old man who um, doesn't have much of a life is getting bored by watching guys hit dingers out of a ballpark the way they do. Wow. But, you know, there's some other guys that really complain about the format. I Starting with the bracket. I don't necessarily hate the bracket. I can't stand because the it, bracket. Because it adds intrigue. Like you get a matchup, you get to see guys face off. And everyone thought that the Rodriguez and Alonzo thing was made for television. It wasn't. They were seated that way because the bracket was seated where you were in the home run total at the time you committed to oh, the Derby. Oh, come on. You could have put Pete up against Adley Rushman. Him and Luis Ro- Ro- Is it Luis Robert or Robert? It's Robert. Robert. Luis Ro- him and Luis Robert had the same amount of home runs. If you really wanted to, you could. They, they knew what they were doing. They're not stupid, but... I'm I'm not buying into that. My thing about it is, is that like look at Adley Rushman. You're telling me that dude at 27 home runs, that dude doesn't deserve to keep keep fighting the rest of the night to win the title. I mean, he had more than a Rosarena who won his matchup. Mm. He had more than Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the first. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? Or no, maybe did Vlad get more than him in that first round? But like that's that's my thing about it is like it's just it should be the four the four best guys go through. Like that's that's my thing. If you got guys that are up there just destroying balls, but you get a historic performance from one guy, the guy gets knocked out. Like you're talking about Adley Rushman, a dude who for the first three minutes he goes up there and hits left handed crushing him out of the ballpark comes up switches sides of the plate and he went what was it was it like seven for eight or eight for nine from the right side of the plate just hitting bombs like that's yeah insane. yeah yeah when we switched plates or when he when he switched sides he went seven of eight so regardless he regardless of even even if vlad guerrero jr had had more than him in that first round he would have advanced he would have been the fourth guy he would have advanced i think it would have made sense. Now, I'm proven wrong, I guess, by the fact that Randy Arozarena moved on. But like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like to me, I always like the old format of it's the four best guys that move on. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely nothing wrong with with thinking that. Like, it it might make the most sense, but I I don't think like the bracket itself is the biggest issue because it adds intrigue and stuff like that. You get matchups and all that type of stuff. I think the biggest thing you gotta maybe consider if you want to add a change is bring back the outs. Well, that, but but also keep the also keep the timer. Can I can I tell you why they will not? bring back the outs. Because Rodriguez didn't take a pitch last night and knocked 41 balls out of the ballpark. Well, they love that. But here's the other thing. If they bring back the outs and guys are aggressive, the home run derby is going to be over in two hours. They want this to be an event that takes three. They they want all that airtime that they Which can is get. absolutely 
asinine when you <laughs> well consi- it's incredibly hypocritical when you consider the links that baseball has gone to and look this is one thing that sucks about being the guy that hates the pitch clock is because it's directly impacted attendance and viewership in a positive way yeah it's helping the sport you love so much so, so um <laughs> I, I still don't think it's it's not you know like you know the 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 forefathers of baseball are still rolling over in their graves and stuff like that. And at some who, point, the, who are the forefathers? Of I don't know who they are. Si, I'm just going to go. Cy Young, Ty Cobb, Ty. Well, Ty. Well, you know what? You know what? Hopefully, Ty Cobb was cremated. Um, he was. He was, uh, he was a horrible person. You know, um, Babe Ruth. Maybe he. Could babe. Be, yeah, the Babe. The Babe could be. Hey, man, he could come back and tell you, like in the Sandlot. So you, you know, like on that front, like I, I. It's stupid that cuz I was thinking the same thing last night. We we now want games to be done in two and a half hours. Yep. But we don't mind an exhibition event taking almost 3. It's cuz it's, it's star it's it's star it's, studded. It, I don't get it. It's so stupid, but what me, I think they should do if you bring back the outs and you keep the timer there. You either get ten outs or you get three minutes. Well, most of the guys are going to get ten outs. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it to you that. Well, exactly. A lot of guys but, are going to get ten. But outs. also, you're not, you're not going to swing at everything. Well, pitch. here's the other thing. If you're real, if you're really that afraid of the event getting watered down by the by the outs, expand the amount of players that are in it. Like, yeah, I mean, I, you, you don't think there's other guys that could get up there and compete? Like there, there's guys. Trust me, there are enough home run hitters at this event that you could get up there and if if but to me, I got to be honest. See, I wouldn't mind there being like a wild card, like where you have like you know, like a, like a wild card round where some guys you would be like your um I'll get the pitchers out there, right? You know, like, I don't know, like, you know, the, the field's at eight. Except Shohei, you can't do so, that. So, you know, expanding it to 16 would be too much. I, I wouldn't know. I would, and that's what I thought, too. But, but like, I think it would be fun if you brought a, a wild card guy in. And maybe, then maybe, maybe they get hot and for two and a half hours they just keep hitting the ball out of the ballpark. I don't know. I mean, you could maybe do, like, 10, have two wild cards to qualify into the race. Like, yeah. if, if you're really that, wouldn't that be bad. if you're that hell-bent. On to me, I what's the problem with a two, two and a half hour event? It's the home run derby. Yeah, that's my thing. We like, don't need that to be. Three, I, I'd three much and rather and my hours. game last three hours than the exhibition event last three hours. I, the other thing, the less Carl Ravitch I have to hear <laughs> calling this event, the better because you this. I'm gonna. I will agree with with my guy Mac on this one. What bored me about it was Carl Ravitch calling. I mean. It is literally just them basically just, like, every once in a while, Carl Ravitch would be like, oh, my God, look at that one. Other than that, he's literally just sitting there, hits another one. Yeah. Like, he, he's he's like Boban in the basketball commercial. He I, dribbles. He dribbles. He's like, he hits one. He hits one. He hits one. He hits a kid. He hits one. It's like, wh- I, after a while, I'm just like... What am I watching? Like Berman, I know people were annoyed by Berman. Like he's incredibly polarizing. Shouldn't be. He's a hell of a broadcaster. But like he, I mean, look. After a while, it definitely like this. It was the same thing every year, and it was like okay. But like, I don't know. Like you could tell there was some excitement. Like with Carl Ravitch, and I think part of it is that Carl. I've said this multiple times, and you agree with me. Carl Ravitch is not. A play-by-play. Well, the thing that's the most frustrating about Ravage, because I'm gonna I'm gonna praise him before I rip him. There you go. Um, the the man the man is a baseball guy. That's his, it's his favorite sport. You can tell that, mm-hmm. and the way he talks about the game, the way that he reveres the game. There's a love for the game that I want all of my broadcasters to have. It doesn't translate into. His broadcasting, like whenever I do my podcast, I hope people can hear that I love baseball and that I that I love the Mets. Whenever he's calling Sunday Night Baseball, whenever he's calling the Home Run Derby, it doesn't sound like he loves what he's calling. He's just very he's he's very dr- is dry. 
the delivery just is not exciting. Yeah, and enough. look, maybe it's because he has to work for it, uh, work with Eduardo Perez every day, every oh, game, and man. David Cohn, yeah, who I biggest, also don't think is very great. I'm not the biggest Eduardo Perez. David Cohn was a Met, so I do. doesn't mean that he's a great broadcaster. Oh yeah, but I still, I, I still always like so, former Mets' broadcast. You know, like uh, that's my thing. Like he, the, he was the, so he was so good in baseball when he hosted baseball tonight, and I thought that was that. That was the thing. He still tries to be that guy on air. And that's, look, that gets into a whole bigger ESPN issue, which we've talked about multiple times before, trying to force studio analysts to become play-by-play people because they're just so damn lazy they don't want to pay nobody. But that's, I mean, that's the thing. Circling back to it, tying into the home run derby, like, I just, I don't need to see more of him. Yeah. I really don't, yeah, man. No, like, the, listening to it is painful. The broadcast needs to be overhauled. I don't think the event needs to be overhauled. Um, like, can we? Oh my God! Can you imagine if Gary Cohen called that? Right. Oh. Like, oh, it's it's one of God. those things where, like, and even as a someone that didn't watch baseball in the 2010s, I still tuned in to watch the home run derby. I still love the All-Star game. It's the one thing that Rod Manfred has not yet destroyed. He he's going to try because that's I mean his legacy is going to be ruining our nation's pastime. Um but the Home Run Derby is the best uh All-Star event we have in sports and the MLB All-Star game well, is still the best All-Star much. game we have in sports. Speaking of the All-Star game, of course Pete Alonso, he'll be um a part of that tonight. Um, but I want to focus more on Kodai Singa, who makes the team seven and five record, three point three one ERA. Of course, he does so in his rookie year, joining noted Mets Pete Pete Alonso, Dwight Gooden, Jerry Kuzman, and Tom the franchise Seaver as uh, the only Met rookies in franchise history to go to the Midsummer Classic during during their initial seasons. Although that's a little unfair because he's. T- not technically. He's not a rookie, rookie, but he's a major league baseball rookie. Yeah. And that's how you gotta look at it. And you're looking at a guy that, you know, the seven and five record would show you that he's been inconsistent at three point three one ERA. After his last start qualified him for one of the ten best ERAs in the National League. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's still there. But he does lead rookie pitchers and wins with seven. And with strikeouts at 13, and is the eighth uh, Japanese player to make the All Star game, um, in 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 the history of the All Star event. And of course, he joins Angel Superstar and and future Met, I guess, future Met hopeful or or hopeful future Met Shohei Otani. There you go. That and, took you a know, little. That was a little. That you know what? That was rough. Kind of like Senga's road starts a little bit, but you, you yeah. Got although it the on last track. time he threw, you know, a oh one I run mean, ball. I mean, he's I, honestly right now. I mean, he's after that game, he's Hall of Fame bound. So the first thing, because we're going to talk about the Otani uh, pitch recruiting and stuff like that. Yes. The the first thing though is. Like and I, I've kind of said this throughout the year, where like whatever we got from Singa, whether it was good, whether it was bad, like I was just gonna just accept it. Like this is his first year in baseball; he's he's not pitching in dome settings like he was very very often over there in Japan. Um, although like he has appeared to pitch better when it's been hot as opposed to cold and stuff like that. Like I I think this just kind of validates and solidifies that a the the Mets were were right in, in going after him and giving him the money that they gave him and b like he is a really good pitcher and there's been some times where you 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 don't it, it's it's hard to see because he his walk rate is one of the worst in the National League but a lot of that and this and he's been very honest about this he's working with a different strike zone here than he was in o- over in Japan. And it's been something hard for him to adjust to because there are calls that he thinks are, are strikes that over here are balls and, and vice versa. So he's having to adjust. But And, look, he wasn't an initial all-star selection. He got in because some someone didn't go. I forget who exactly was that he got selected in place of. But I was still sitting there like, man, you're, you're, you're still – as much as I want to watch Verlander and Scherzer because they're all-time greats, they're first ballot Hall of Famers, like you're the most intriguing guy to watch pitch. 
because you have the ghost fork ball and all that type of stuff. And to go to the All-Star game while leading rookies and wins and strikeouts and stuff like that really just made me smile because the fan base hasn't hasn't been easy on them because of all the hype around them all around all the expectations. And I think he's proven you give him the six days of rest that his body is accustomed to, more often than not he's going to go out there and he's, he's either going to pitch a gym or he's going to give you a chance to win, which is all you can ask for from a starting pitcher. Well, that's the – yeah, I mean, and here's the other thing. You, you can admit this right here. You love the fact that he's going to the All-Star game because you predicted that before the season started. Well, I mean, look, I wasn't ah, going to get into that. And do go. I also have like $100 worth of Kodai Singa gear that I'm waiting for a reason, and, oh or, my god! You know, an excuse oh, to buy. Purchased it yet? Okay. I haven't purchased it yet, but it's sitting there, um, and I want to purchase it. And I need to get the urge and the and the nudge to purchase such a thing. Oh, so that's that's probably happening in the <laughs> future. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like that's part of it, but like I mean, also like I said, like. I'm watching Verlander and Scherzer because I can enjoy them on my because they pitch for my team. I mean, what has really sucked is that it hasn't been very enjoyable. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you really enjoyed watching those two fellas? But like, and <laughs> like, and like, don't don't, don't oh, take this the wrong man. way. This isn't Degrom esque, where Degrom was must watch television. Well, I was electric, man. But that like, Singa has that same effect where it's like. I don't want to miss a start. Well, I mean, he's got the he's got the pitch. I mean, to be fair, you you are the guy that's not missing a. David Peterson star. That's a true. Tyler McGill star. Like, it's a little different, but at the same time, like I, I get, I get what you're saying. And look, I mean, he he is proving that there is a lot of value to him. The walk rate, I mean, that was something that the Mets scouts had to know that about him. He throws a pitch that is, if it's not swung at, it is such a ball. I mean, it's it's it's. A guaranteed ball. <laughs> like, he has thrown, what, I think one of them that was actually in the strike zone the entire year? Like, it just, it doesn't, it's a pitch that's meant to drop out like that, and when when people are swinging at it, you're like, man, love it. When people aren't, you're like, man, why the hell is this guy walking so many people? So that's, I, I think that's kind of what you should have known when, when you got him. Um... But I mean, yeah, for the most part, you know, figuring out, first of all, coming to a completely new country and having to start your, basically start your life over yeah, is tough on anybody. I, I can't imagine what that must be like. So, I mean, he needed the time to adjust to that. You add in the fact that you're not only adjusting to playing baseball in America, you're adjusting to playing baseball in New York City, mm-hmm. where... One bad start and they hate you, hate your guts. Like, I think it took him a little bit of time. The six day thing, I mean, that still concerns me a little bit because we're, and I, I really hope that last start from David Peterson, which wasn't terrible, but you started to see some signs. I really hope that that's not the start of David Peterson's struggles again. But, Right now, if you're sticking with a six-man rotation, even when Jose Quintana comes back, you're going to need one of those two guys, Peterson or uh, or McGill, or God forbid anybody else, uh, to fill that sixth role. So that's something you wish that he could sort of grasp. But I got to tell you, if, if you're going to get some of these starts that he's had recently here, Moving forward, if you roll with the six-man rotation, I think every Met fan would take that. They would say, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll stomach David Peterson and Tyler McGill to get a quality start like that every time Senga's out. Yeah, no, you definitely can't argue about it, and it's it's been a lot of fun, and um, I, I, I you know, it's going to be fun to watch him tonight, and hopefully he does do well and, and makes us all proud, which I'm sure he will. The biggest thing coming out of of, of the All Star weekend or the event is Singa along with Pete Alonzo they have done sort of like their mini recruitment of Shohei Otani who you know is going to be it, it looks like given with Mike Trout on the IL Anthony Rendon her and just the way the Angels finished up the the end of the first half of the year it it, it looks like Otani might be up for grabs Although I've listened to a couple of baseball people like John Heyman and some other guys say that he's not going to get 
the Angels aren't going to get the value that um, they would have gotten for him had they traded him away last year because he's going to be a free agent um, at the end of the year and stuff like that. But Otani and, and Alonzo have started the recruitment process of him. But, you know, Steve Cohen said in a press conference about two and a half weeks ago that he said, look, if, if, we're, if we're a losing team, I'm not buying. Well, trading for the best player in baseball is 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 buying and then, you know, it's, it's, it's like buying on crack because you're going to have to give up a lot to get him here. So is this something that even the Mets should consider at the trade deadline or just kind of have a, 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 a quiet confidence internally that, hey, we've got an owner that has money, that has been proven to spend money, and if we want him, we'll just go and buy him in free agency, even if the tab is worth $700 million. Well, the, pro- the problem is is that whoever, if they are to trade him, whoever trades for him will be able to offer him the most money, no matter what. So that's the concern that you have to have if you are the Mets, is that, hey... If they trade for him, we're going to be at a disadvantage. Now, and and see, that's the thing. When you say that that is that that is being buyers, not really. It's almost it, it's it's really just hey, if you want Shohei Otani, you're getting out ahead of it. Now, to me, I think a lot. Most people are probably. Right. The John Heyman, those around baseball, I know John Heyman, it's shocking that he's actually right. Um I I, I don't see him getting traded. I I would be shocked if if they actually trade him. Because I still believe that they think one, with him there, they can compete this year in an AL that's that's got some quality teams, but at the same time, I mean, you look, first of all, the Rangers are not as hot as they once were early in the season, so they might feel like they could still win that division, although that's that, that probably sets up for Houston, um, but regardless, I mean, you look around the rest of the AL, I mean, there's, there's opportunity there, so they may still feel like they've got a chance there. Uh, to make the playoffs, and then I, I, I truly believe they still think they've got a chance to bring Otani back. Now I don't know why they would think that, but it feels like they that that's what the sense is from them. Um, but the thing is, is hey, it, if if the market is out there, you you have to entertain it. I just worry that. And I don't think it's anywhere near as sure of a thing as, as this situation was. But the the thing that comes to mind for me is the Knicks when they traded for Carmelo Anthony before he was set to become a free agent. Like, if Otani's looking for just money, dude, you ain't going to be outbid by nobody. Yeah, I Steve mean... Steve Cohen's already shown that. I, I, I So... For me, I don't think it's all about the money. I think this is where you got to be scared about the Dodgers because first off they they've slashed their payroll over the last couple of years to put themselves in a position to go get Otani. Also, they're they're the best they're the best organization or the second best organization in the NL right up there with the Braves. So you got to look at them as a factor and you know if they trade for them and they win a World Series or whatever does does money even matter does he take less to stay in LA you know the Giants are going to be in on him because they they very well almost signed Aaron Judge last free agency they feel like they're they're a piece away from maybe being a World Series contender for the next half decade or so so they're going to be in the market and you know I I think you can never even though you know, Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner haven't been as aggressive with star players in, in, outside of trading for Giancarlo Stanton really since their last title in 09. This is a transition, you know, this is a transcending player. He's the best player in baseball. He's doing things on a baseball field that should be illegal. Like, he's doing things that we thought Babe Ruth did, but he's exceeding Babe Ruth. And so it's going to be interesting. I the, the, the reason why... I ultimately don't think the Mets are in form if he if he's traded. Is they don't have the prospects. 
And this is one of the things that Steve Cohen's talked about is that we've got to build up our farm system. Look at all the kids that you've had to bring up this year to help you be where you're at with the highest payroll in the history of sports. Yep. And I don't think we're going to be happy if Francisco Alvarez got traded away. We've uh, seen Brett Beatty develop really good at, defensively at third. Alvarez would not be on the table. So, you know, no, 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 well, no, 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 no. Alvarez isn't on the table for me. Brett Beatty isn't on the table. Uh, then you Beatty, get down into uh, you don't have a third baseman. Joey can't play third. Well, neither can Jeff McNeil. You don't want Luis Guillorme playing third. Who's playing third? I mean, I'd I'd play. I'd rather have Luis Guillorme playing third with Shohei than. I mean, I, but you, you like, mean, I mean, you, you get you what I'm saying. Like, you, no, as, as no, much as you've right. invested in Beatty, as early as you brought him up, you traded away Eduardo Escobar because of him. You're grooming him to be your everyday third baseman, so he's off the table. Like, you got Vientos and Mauricio down in AAA. Guess what? That's not enough. You're just scratching the surface. Like, you're giving up virtually every top prospect, no matter yep. the level of baseball, if you trade for this guy. Well, and here's the other thing that's that's interesting about this. Uh, and and this, is, this is just a, a, a Shohei thing in general when it comes to even approaching him in the offseason this coming year. When you look at the teams that have had the most success recently, that have had staying power in Major League Baseball, they win World Series and they stick around. There are two that come to mind for me immediately. The Braves, who I hate, but they've they've done things the right way, and the Astros. Yep. And you could say, well, the Astros cheated. That's not my point. How did they build these rosters through their minor league systems? Yep. You have to build. Like, look, man, you can go out and pay these players. And, I mean, the Dodgers, I think the Dodgers are probably, if you're trying to emulate somebody, that would be the, that would be well, I mean, I mean, the Co- franchise. Cohen has said it directly. Emulate. Like, every time he talks to the media, that's the team that he talks about. Which makes sense because they have the balance of paying guys. Yep. With the balance of developing, I mean, look at their look at their rotation. Every year they got some they got some new dude that comes out of nowhere and is a freaking stud. So that's ultimately what you probably want to be. But you're right. If when it comes first, when it comes to a trade, I I, I just there's no way. You're yeah. you're probably right. I, I don't see any way unless you are trading. I mean, you got to trade all your top prospects. Yeah, you're trading away all your top prospects. You're still probably shipping out Jeff McNeil. You're probably, which, well, I I know the last time you were on, we talked about did did they make a a mistake in investing in him? I think that answer is no. Well, you got, but I also think that I also think if you can trade him, I would trade him. You got to be concerned about. I mean, they're just about everybody on your roster, like. The one guy that you would probably not have to worry about would be Nimmo. But even him, he brings us so much value. Would they think about bringing Nimmo in and making Mike Trout their DH? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. So of, even him, even he could be on the table, and I'm not trading him. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I feel like the guys that are on the roster now that you're not trading away, Alonzo doesn't have his contract yet, but I, I, I think Alonzo's in that mold. Because he he's he's the first natural number four hitter this franchise well, he, has ever here's had. The thing. First of all, I don't think he would be on the table right now. Because why would the Angels want to trade for another guy that they ultimately ne- might not be able to sign? Yeah, but that wouldn't I, make a lot you know, of. Eh. When you listen to the people around baseball talk about a hypothetical trade, that name comes up. Oh my you, god! You know, but but I, but I I I don't see. Cohen's Cohen's a Met fan. You know, by the way. So he's going to be savvy with his fan base. Yep. Um he's he's everybody he's he's everybody's everyday favorite everyday player. Like you might love your pitchers more because you've got studs in Verlander well, and Scherzer and well, stuff like that. Well, not this year. No. But you know, for everybody else, he's everyone's favorite player. So I don't think he's I don't think he's on the market. I don't think Nimmo is because I think of I mean, first off like 
you you developed him and then some because he has become a far better hitter than you ever thought he was going to become. The power starting and the to power's come. there, so you can't really give him away. Really great fielder. I know he made the one mistake earlier this year. Yeah, I, I would say very him. good. Uh, elite's tough because elite players don't make that mistake. Very good defensive player. <laughs> But outside of Alonzo... Makes one mistake. I'm sure that no other center fielder has ever made a mistake. I mean, elite ones don't. So outside of Alonzo, Nimmo, of course, Edwin Diaz, but he's hurt, so you can't even trade hurt players. Alvarez is not and then Alvarez, on the table. Everybody else, I think, is up for grabs. I would hate to see Beatty go, and so would Jerry Seinfeld, because I'm pretty sure that's his son. Well, there's a lot of different players that you would hate to see go. I, I mean, I got to tell you, I first of all, do I think that the Mets should entertain trading Nimmo? No. I love Brandon Nimmo. Um, any most other people that are detached from the situation would say you're going to let Brandon Nimmo stay in the way, stand in the way of you getting Shohei Otani. Yeah, I mean, like that's how you got to look at like it. Like the the answer to that question is no. Yes, because Otani's a god. This is where, and the, I think the biggest worry us as Met fans have going into the free agency is going to be we saw how spending big to this point in the season, didn't work out. You're 42-48. and 48. Yep. Although I'm still very optimistic they can be in the playoff hunt come September. Is that going to deter him from, from spending? Here's my thing. If you have a chance to get him... Is that going to deter him? You get the answer him, to that is no. But, I mean, look, he sat, up, he sat there and told the media straight to their face, this hasn't worked. So I'm probably not going to spend the way I've spent again. The the thing is, if you spend again, you're spending it on one guy. And I think when it's all said and done, unless he takes a short deal, which is on the table, a lot of people think he could take a three-year contract so he can get another $50 million year contract three years from now. Oh, why wouldn't you? You're just going to make more money. I think if he signs a long-tenured contract, it will exceed $700 million. And I don't think you can complain about that because he is Holy like every athlete in the world is is overpaid because you play a sport for a living. Wow. But if there's a guy that, that is worth $700 million, he is worth $700 well, you're million. Only, you're, you're only doing that in, a long, in an extreme long-term deal. I mean, you're talking like, well, I mean, how long would that? That'd be like Giancarlo-like. Yeah, I mean, you know, like but if you sign him years. to a like, I think if he signs anything eight years and above, when it's done, he, it'll it, it'll be seven hundred million dollars. That, that is crazy. Because six hundred million is six hundred million is the threshold. That is crazy because of what he does on the baseball field. Yeah, and the thing is, is that like you, you now you could give him seven hundred million dollars, and you're going to make it all up because your ballpark's going to be filled. Every night because he, he's a DH. The amount of merchandise you're going to make, him being in New York, just the the way that you can promote him and advertise him. Yep. You know, like, dude, he would be he'd be on top of the Empire State Building. Like, you know, anywhere and everywhere he well, could be, wow, Shohei Otani is going to be. That there'll, seems a bit extreme. There'll be a statue of Shohei beside beside the Statue of Liberty. Like, it, 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 and, and look, it's rightfully so. And I think the thing is, is that, like, as much as I would hate seeing him go to L.A., Boston, or the Yankees, yeah, baseball needs him in a market. And you, well, he's in the Angels. The Angels don't have the following the Dodgers have. Nobody cares about the Angels. So you know, as someone that is seeing the sport come back to popularity, albeit in ways that I disagree with, you get him in a market. It, it's going to do well, wonders. Come and, on, man! I hate to break it to you. He ain't going anywhere but a big market. The smallest market that he might go to would be what San Diego, Atlanta. It, Atlanta's going to be in the fold. The Braves are going to be. A I mean, contender. Atlanta's Atlanta's a pretty. It's first of all, Atlanta's a bigger market than people. Well, realize. And, and, you know, in the baseball world, it's not a small market Plus, because I of would, their history. And I tradition. would absolutely please the, for the love of God, let them let them bring him in and then let him get injured and wow so now we're out here asking for injuries oh no no but i'm saying let them bring him in and spend money because they've been the team that is that has gone out that sounded raw that's not that's not where i was going what i'm saying is let them take the big risk because they've been the team that's been smart right they're paying all their guys early they've made all these smart trades to get you know to get veterans out of there, get younger guys in, like the trade-off, b- pretty much. They let Freddie Freeman walk, but they trade and get Matt Olson. Everything's worked out for them. 
let them be the team that pays $700 million for a guy and it blow up in their face. Yeah. That would be that would be nice. But my I don't know, man. I, I just like he's going to a major market. I think it's probably us, the Dodgers, the Yankees. See, I don't see him going to Boston. I, I haven't seen them really mentioned a lot. Not like the other three. I think it's yeah, probably, no, they haven't been. It's probably but one always. of those three. I'd be stunned if it's. I mean, you got to remember, A. Rod was going to be a, a Red Sox before he ended up in New York, so they're always going to be players in this type of stuff. So it's going to be fascinating. It's one of the things that, like, hopefully, I get the, the, this team turns the season around and, and we're playing meaningful baseball in September. This free agency is going to be as anticipated a free agency in sports right up there since LeBron's decision when Tom Brady left the Patriots. Like, it's going to be that well-documented because where he goes, it's going to change the landscape of baseball from a contract standpoint for the next decade and from the on-field standpoint for the next decade. I mean, you got to think, dude, if this guy takes like a – so you think if it's six years, he could still get seven hundred million? I would say if he takes six years, it taps out at six fifty. But I mean, if even that, you're talking about a dude that if he continues on the path that he's on, and I don't, I don't know how old how, how old is he? How is he pretty still pretty young? Twenty the twenty nine, I think is what okay, he is. Okay, so off it, the so top he probably mind. wouldn't. But I mean, I mean, I, I guess you never really know though. I mean, could this dude be closing in on the first billion-dollar contract in sports? Like <laughs> he very well could be. I mean, that's insane. Now, yeah, he yeah, th- was born in '94, so he's 29. He turned okay, so probably not because he'd be 35 even if you go off off a six-year contract. So he just turned 29. So. That's yeah. You'd still. Be, I mean, you would be. That's a lot to pay a 35-year-old yeah. billion-dollar contract. But like the fact that we're even talking about that kind of number. It's just, I mean, that's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and it's going to be fascinating. And um, I'd love to see him play in the orange and blue. I would just prefer that to be after Steve Cohen pays him and gives him part in ownership as opposed to trading away. Part in ownership, wow. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I would like to save that for Theo Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> so, president of baseball. Um, but anyway, man, we ran out of time. I was wanting to look at the second half of the year, but we have the second half of the year to talk about the second half of the year. We'll have to do another one because I, um, I'm not nearly as... And I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Usually this is the other way around. I I am concerned that they still might not be able to turn this around. And rightfully so. But, you know, I think yeah. I saw enough the last week and a half, two weeks to say they could be playing meaningful baseball. Um, and hopefully that, that's what we're all hoping for. Um, and we'll have to wait and see. You know, they got a big series right out of the gate at home on Friday, starting with starting with the Dodgers, and we'll be here the rest the rest of the year to talk about that. So, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Most of you are on Apple and Spotify. Uh, just search the Flushing's Finest podcast, and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. Tell me how we're doing. Uh, leave a review. Most importantly, guys, we want to we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way, you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the baseball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, let's go Mets.